0: पक्ष में ना कोई पार्टी बजी
1: Welcome, folks, to the latest episode of Bharatiya Janta podcast. As has been tradition these days, Aditya is again missing. And we have a guest with us today. Um, where is Aditya, you ask? He's still busy at Kalasha, his dream home, his dream country. So today um, I have, instead of Aditya, Ashik with me. I know Ashik well, I know is a stretch, but I know him uh, through Twitter. He has been prolifically creating a lot of uh, Twitter threads over, um, over his time on Twitter. And I have been fairly impressed by the amount of depth that he goes into in uh, creating those Twitter threads. So, Ashik, I will ask you about you. But before I do that, how much time slash research does it take for you to kind of create the, th- the kind of threads that you on Twitter? Uh,
2: well, it depends. Like some threads are like uh, basically my opinions. Mm-hmm. So they obviously yeah. don't take a whole lot of time. But the, when there are mm-hmm. threads that uh, revolve around something that is a little controversial or I prefer to get my facts completely correct. So that involves a bit of research and everything. So I would say like around two to three hours, if I'm like, you know, completely into it, or sometimes mm-hmm. it just might take like a couple of days if i'm just you know allocating a bit of time every day for it yeah
1: yeah i i also think like coming back to something that you've written um revisiting it allows um yeah. chance to kind of filter it make it um oh yeah definitely so uh, ashik can we start uh, by you giving us a brief background of who you are it, yeah i mean and As I told you before recording the pod, uh, what I am primarily interested in knowing is about how you kind of found your political identity in the larger Indian political context. So I was uh, born in
2: India, obviously, in Mm -hmm. Kerala. And uh, my earliest memories of politics are like when I used to visit my grandfather. He used to be a fairly a prominent political figure in Kerala where I'm uh, where my grandfather is from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not like, you know, federal level, not national level politics, but like, you know, state level, district level politics. He was a pretty mm-hmm. prominent figure. So at that time when I was young, like I used to listen to him speak about politics to my grandmom or something and obviously I was too young to like get a clear grasp of what's going on, but it seems like politics was always there in my family. And apart from my grandfather I have like uncles and everyone who are like a little bit active in politics, and uh, so that is pretty much where, like, I probably like got this like an inception, like, I just got it embedded in my mind. And then, uh, growing up, obviously, there was no politics in my life because it was fairly, uh, uh, I guess, in Kerala, like, compared to other states, probably towards the north, Kerala is a little more, uh, I don't know how to put this, like, it is a little less volatile. In terms of, of the Hindu-Muslim stuff and everything. so It's, because far, of that, like,
1: it's much more socially integrated, yeah, I'd say.
2: exactly, yes. So, there was, like, this Hindu-Muslim thing was, like, a very, very new thing to me. Like, like around, mm-hmm. like, you could say, maybe, like, 2014-ish. <laughs> around that time is, like, when, like, <laughs> this clearly me, hit like,
1: me. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <But,
2: laughs> <laughs> because, like, I moved from India when I was, like, Mm -hmm. in middle school like I moved to Dubai for a while which is Kerala yeah which is pretty much Kerala so again you know (laughs) there was no Hindu Muslim issues everyone seems very happy I mean now that as I grew up and like I'm revisiting my old friends and everything obviously Mm -hmm. things seem to have changed a bit even in Dubai like my old friends from Dubai but yeah so so because of that I guess like it took me a while to like completely get my mind grasped around this whole like you know how how much of a division there is in our country and how this is not something new how it's always been there so everything was like an (laughs) enlightenment to me because every day I read something and I'm like this is so crazy like you know why would people say this why would people do this and then I read more about it and then I see like okay so this incident has a past and then I read about the past and I come no this Hindu Muslim thing in this certain uh, district or in this certain state has been happening for a very long time so yeah. it was all pretty much news to me and like obviously it all came crashing down after 2014. that is when like you know i like i realized like how how far this has been going on like so yeah that so, is, that's where like i you could say like you know i started forming strong political opinions about things
1: So let's uh, take a step back. This is something that I like to do. So uh, let's take a step back and go before 2014. Um, And I'm trying to go back into time where you'd think that your political identity or political ideas are not as strongly formed, right? Uh, How did you look at India in general as a country and uh, whatever like basic, it's like basic politics, like um, India has like 12-13 prime ministers, whatever, like yeah. a, a civic, civic idea of India. How did you look at it, yeah. basically? So,
2: uh, during my time, my childhood in Dubai and everything, like India was like, you know, it was always treated like, oh, this is our homeland. This is where we always will go back to because obviously, like, in Dubai, living in Dubai, there is no, like, long-term expectation of living there because, you know, you don't get citizenship and stuff like that yeah. so there's always been this thing like you know India is our homeland that is where we will return to that is where we are from and so there was always this immense pride and love for India like we have always had it like and I studied in an Indian school in Dubai so Republic Day Independence Day everything like you know we celebrated it brought flags to school and mm-hmm. it was always nice like and like everyone just seemed to be on the same page with that in that regard so There was never an issue of like, you know, oh, you're Muslim, you're from Pakistan. Like, you know, that was never an issue. And like, when you live in Dubai, you obviously live among like a huge, like a melting pot of cultures. So I had like a lot of Pakistani friends and everything. And like, I never felt like, you know, oh, India, Pakistan, like, maybe like, I mean, I don't watch cricket, but like when people Mm -hmm. discuss cricket, like they talk about like, oh, India, Pakistan. So I was like, okay, that's the extent of like, like the, what do you say, the rivalry you can say. With India, Pakistan and things like that. So, in general, like, India was just, like... And, obviously, I used to go on vacations and go to Kerala. And uh, it was just fine. Everything is fine. There was no... There was no enmity. There was no rivalry. I never felt any friction because of my identity
3: or Mm -hmm. my religion or anything like that.
2: So, that's how my childhood was. And, like, I mean, we can get into, like, later on. Like, Mm -hmm. as I grew up, like, now... Uh, I go to Bangalore also often. I have friends there. And mm-hmm. I have some family over there and all. And Bangalore, like, I used to always, like, club it with uh, South India, where I used to feel like, oh, South India, you know, everything is calm, everything is, like, you know, everything is happy and everything. But Karnataka and Bangalore in general, obviously, I witnessed it. Chilling. Especially the coastal. Exactly. Yeah. I have, like, like firsthand. like, I can see the changes that has been happening in Bangalore, like, in terms of... Uh, uh, the divisiveness
3: in
1: among people, like with re- uh, religion, obviously. So, so yeah. uh, I'm I'm sorry to, go to you. Uh, basically, this this is um, interesting. Uh, so, basically, was there a moment before 2014? Oh, I mean, both of us agree that things are things are not right yeah. right yeah. now, yeah. or have been for the, at least for the last six years, right? But what? was there a moment? and it could be after 2014 as well, but was there a moment where you felt ki boss, there is something weird about uh, uh, all this, and there is something weird about vis-a-vis my identity yeah. k- uh, to my country, you know, like, yeah.
2: So, uh, I guess, like, it wasn't, like, a single incident. It was, like, a slow build-up of things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because, like, a single incident, you obviously, like, you know, you tend to brush it off, thinking, like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's obviously a one-off incident, but like, you know, like uh, online, I guess, like, you know, when, when I started reading more about politics, because I was like, you know, I need to know about what is happening and stuff. So I started reading and obviously like, you know, when you read about like the government and everything, you tend to have opinions and like, you know, just discussing with people or like maybe online or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then like, there was always this pivoting of like any argument that you make, it always goes back to like, oh, you're Muslim. That's why you have this argument. And I'm like, no. I have this argument because of so and so reason. This is why I have this mm-hmm. opinion. And they're like, No, 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 we can't trust you people. You guys like should have gone to Pakistan. And and that was like like, you know, the shutting down of like any opinion that you have and like, you know, sort of dehumanizing you like, you know, as a person who can't have an opinion because your primary goal is like like, you know, your religious identity, yeah. your primary identity, and that is all you are. So all that stuff, like it was like a slow build up obviously and and, like, I guess it peaked in 2014. I mean, like, maybe, like, 2015, I guess. Like, it must have peaked at that time. But I was like, okay, this, this like, you know, heart cynical guy, like, kind of <laughs> Like, I'm like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know, like, you know,
1: what happened to India. Like, where did this all go wrong and everything. Great. So, so, so quickly, let me just stop you there. Yeah. When you say what happened to India, I'm, my assumption is that at some point you felt that, uh, you know, Joe school level propaganda, hota, right? Every day we mm-hmm. go to school, we do I mean, at least in I, I went to school in India, right? So in India yeah. school may you do like the national anthem and India is my country, the Pledge of Allegiance, basically. So there is a there's an element of propaganda, right? Yeah. Even yeah. in schools. Um, which kind of normalizes this idea within you that India is a, a naturally de- decent country. Yeah. If not a great country. I mean, most of us, most of us grow up thinking India is a great country, but yeah, yeah. At, at the most basic india is a decent country so um, when you say that i feel that there was some some idea at some point that hey india is home and india is a good country to be in yeah and um did let's go let, let's go to your dubai school days when you ha- when okay. you had a mix of pakistani and indian yeah yeah and, yeah. and yeah. Or whatever did did from the pakistani side for example was your muslimness ever questioned because you are f- Of Indian origin, something like that ever happened?
2: No, actually, no, never. Actually, I mean, it might be because like, Dubai is like a fairly large Muslim country, so everyone's like, "Ah, I, like, no one really questioned like in that way. Like, I never received anything at least
1: because I had a lot of friends who were Pakistani. Also, do you did you find ever find yourself defending sorry defending India? Oh yeah, to these people. I mean, like,
2: not in, like, in a hostile manner. It's
1: more like, Ah, yeah,
2: it was, like, it was always there, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, (laughs) like, uh, yeah, obviously not bitter. (laughs) But, like, you know, it was always there where we just, like, oh, you know, like, see our is like this. It's so, like, robust. It is growing. It's so, so powerful. And, like, our army is so great. And they'll be like, oh, we also have fighter (laughs) jets. Like, you know, just, like, basic level, like, you know, uninformed arguments, basically. Like, during school days, obviously, that's all we had it was just like very simple arguments there was never so, there was never any hostility or anything surrounding the indian uh, uh, sorry india pakistan thing
1: so let me tell you briefly about um, so about me basically and then yeah. i'll want you to reflect on this so i grew up grew in and grew up in india okay. mp north india oh, okay. uh, come from a family which is very right leaning mm. even today very politically rightly like involved in politics um and i i have been going to Shaka up until i was 18 oh and um yeah and this is i'm I'm talking about like 2004 or five and then after that uh, i left home to do my engineering and that is when i developed my first friendships with Muslims. I had never had a Muslim friend before that. Wow. And uh, and even then even then, like today's kids, Modi was already aware of it. We used defend Modi in 2006-07. But uh, so uh, had like debates with my Muslim classmates. But what yeah. happened is that over time, I realized so when I asked you about the moment, right? Yeah. Something that first hit me that I felt was out of ordinary was when you're especially especially when you do engineering in India mm. there is this cool thing that you do is that you leave college hostel and move out to yeah. like off-campus yeah. housing right yeah so started looking off-campus apartments and um, that is when I realized that if there is a Muslim who's with, with you mm. looking for an apartment it's a thousand times more difficult for them to yeah. land an apartment. And I was like, yeah. like and in my head, India was this perfect country, right? Yeah. So this was like the first jolt. Mm-hmm. And then, um, this happened. And then slowly, like, this is the peak time, or maybe it's in my life that the discussions around Af- Afzal Guru is happening all around. Oh, me. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, I ended up reading, um, Arundhati Roy's essay on Abdul Guru, mm-hmm. his life must be extinguished, mm-hmm. and um, that is the first time. And along with that, I and I, I accidentally got some Noam Chomsky and read it, and you know, all of this kind of made me first question the whole idea of India as a nation and the way it has treated all of its people. Yeah. Um, so what I want you to reflect on is, um, and, and of course, it will be very dif- different from mine, but mm-hmm. uh, your journey vis-a-vis like s- s- some experiences like these that you might have had i um okay so one mm-hmm. pretty prominent
2: example I can remember is like I said about Bangalore mm-hmm. is I have a relative in Bangalore he has a pretty uh, what do you say like religiously ambiguous first name mm-hmm.
3: like,
2: you know a lot of people in India have that
3: mm-hmm. so
2: his first name was like you know like that and like and he was looking for an apartment like Samir which could be anything yeah right. yeah exactly something yeah. like that. So he was looking for an apartment. He's trying to get his family to move to Bangalore. He got a new job and everything, and uh, <clears throat> he's looking for an apartment. And he, he met with a landlord. He liked the apartment, and like you know, they were they were like almost closing on the deal. And uh, towards the end of the thing, like you know, where like it, it's time to like you know submit like whatever documents and like IDs and stuff like that just for the landlord. At that time, the landlord sees like you know his last name is this thing like a Muslim name. And he's just like, you know, I can't give you an apartment. And like this relative of mine obviously grew up in Kerala his entire life. And he was like, I mean, he knew about like, you know, there might be cases. like. And he obviously asked him like, why, why not? And the landlord just tells him like flat out, oh, uh, we can't give you, we can't give Muslims an apartment because the housing society, they won't allow Muslims to stay here. And like this happened with him like in almost like, for like six months or something like he just couldn't find a stable place for him to stay or like you know even if he could stay like you know they were like oh you can't bring your family here uh muslims are like unclean and they eat non-veg so you know we can't allow your families to be here and this thing like uh because you know when i used to visit bangalore uh that was like much uh, i guess like long before 2014 and all like when i used to visit bangalore it wasn't like this at least I didn't feel it was like this, and I'm At sure <laughs> there was like uh, there was probably some pockets of people like who who had these sort of opinions and stuff, but it wasn't outward, like it wasn't so direct, like where they just tell you to your face, like you know, like oh yeah, we, this entire housing society they don't they have a rule like we can't have Muslims over here, and things like that. So this was one example which kind of made me feel like you know how Bangalore has changed, and. Uh, and it sort of reflected on, like, the entirety of India, how, like, I felt, like, like, you know, you then, like, uh, I guess on Twitter, it's a big you know, every day there seems to be some story about, like, some person. I remember recently there was a girl who was trying to get an apartment and, like, she's been yeah. really struggling and, like, I, you probably read it. Yep. And, like, you know, it, it it was just so surprising to me at the time when it happened to my cousin. And I just couldn't pinpoint as to why and then like i have a friend who's been my friend for like like years and years and years like since since i was since i was really young and he grew up with me in dubai and everything and like once we were just talking about uh, just about like general politics and all and i was telling him about like this concept of like you know mm-hmm. like a systemic uh, ghettoization of muslims in india yeah and i was telling him like how like uh, the reason why like you know muslims are forced to live in these like small areas which becomes a Muslim area eventually is because like even if they are working somewhere else or like studying somewhere else they just don't get the opportunity to like rent out a flat over there or a, or a room over there because people just don't give this uh, mm-hmm. just don't give rooms to Muslims and, and he's and this is a person like who's been my friend for so long he just says oh yeah that's because uh, Muslims do illegal stuff that's why and you, you you've been my friend for like 20 years man like, you're just making, like, these blanket statements. You know me. You know my family and everything. And he's like, yeah, like, in India, they do that. And I'm like, we both are living in the same India. Man. It's not, it's not
1: like, it's not like that, like, like, you know, where so, like, yeah. No, no, I'm saying you, you mentioned uh, two interesting things. One okay. is that you felt Bangalore has changed. Yeah. like maybe or maybe in your mind bangalore chain Bangalore was not like that at least that's what you felt right yeah that's my perception. and and that could have could be expanded to all of India and yeah. secondly you talk about of uh, this friend right yeah so um definitely there something happened something mm. happened and that changed um a lot of people I for one believe that it was always inside it just mm. found a way to come out
3: exactly. but
1: if I wanted if I want to want you to reflect on this can you like do you have theories on why is this so easy for whoever is selling these ideas of hate to sell them like why why do they let me clarify why does a large section of Hindu population in India hate Muslims so much okay so
2: uh, your theories yeah so obviously like what i think is like when when you feel like when when a country like in, as india obviously was growing economically and everything but huh. you know there's always a wealth disparity and everything so the middle yeah. class is uh, shrinking and like so when the middle class shrinks they always feel like you know the economy is the people like the government keeps telling us economy is growing but you know i'm losing my job or like i'm not getting paid enough i'm hardly able to take care of my family and everything and there is always this void because people don't understand like what exactly is happening. Why is why why are things not working out? Like even though like you know it is every day drilled in uh, head like oh, economy is growing, fina- India is financially so sur- uh, on the way to surpass China or whatever. So when politician comes with like with like a solution, they say oh this is the reason. Or not even politicians, just yes, anyone comes and says oh yeah we have finally found the reason why you are not able to. Uh, why the country is not able to grow uh, economically, why you are not able to support your family. And the reason is because uh, the past politicians have been, uh, what do you say? What's the word for it? Uh, Uh, Appeasement. Yeah, exactly. Appeasing minorities, appeasing this so-called minority, which is like a huge population, the population keeps increasing. So they are the reason. So obviously Muslims are like uh, presented as a scapegoat for all problems. And they say, like, you know, as long as the appeasement stops, uh, economy is going to grow. And it starts off as, like, you know, as, like, Mm -hmm. oh, we need to stop the appeasement and all. But then, like, over time, I'm assuming, like, it it turns into, like, an anger towards a certain society, in this case, Muslims, obviously. Like, it turns towards, it becomes anger eventually. And, uh, And I think, like, obviously, this piled on to, Uh, an already built perception in their minds that, you know, because I know a lot of people who have been hearing like Muslims are the bad people since their childhood. And I guess for a very long time, it was like kind of taboo to like voice these opinions out in public. But like now it's obviously changed. So when they have already had this sort of opinion and then like someone comes to you and says, oh yeah, we have like uh, this data or like, you know, we have this financial backing to like, uh, not financial backing, like we have this data to prove to you that uh, appeasement of minorities is what, uh, is what is keeping you down. That is what is keeping Hindus in general down. Is because these minorities have have been taking a large chunk of uh, resources and everything. So, uh, and this is very similar to what uh, I read, what I've read before about like uh, in Germany, what they used to do with Jewish yeah. people. Obviously, it's not on the same scale or anything. I'm not
1: making a comparison you don't have like, to qualify it my man it yeah. is, who knows like
2: it's yeah. not one day you know it doesn't in yeah, exactly. a day exactly so so a lot of there are a lot of parallels in that sense where like where like i read about something like that and i'm like okay this is exactly what people are being fed now where like they demonize they keep demonizing and they keep blaming muslims for like every small problem that you have like they'll find a way to like somehow blame it on like the muslims so i think that is one major reason I feel like like you know that this divisiveness oh, yeah. has, has become so strong now. Uh,
1: clearly um, the the economy uh, as it were uh, at least our numbers from 2004 to 2014 were much stronger than what they are in the at mm-hmm. least in the last few years yeah. and I keep reading news about how economy is Indian economy is not doing as well. Yeah. However it doesn't seem to impact um the narrative. The yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because it yeah. seems like um like they will they are, matlab, if I put it in very bluntly, Mary but as long as it Muslim, ja I'm happy. Hmm. Hmm. Right? Uh and I mean, honestly Sorry. I don't have an answer for this. I, I just don't know what is behind this. But this nonetheless I find very surprising and very frightening yeah. that these people um uh, sorry. So basically, what you mention is something that is le- like a, a, a line of argument that has been used in in US as well. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, immigrants have been demonized uh, yes. in, when it comes to India. Yes, there there seems to be um, a se- and and what you talk about inequality is a very fair point. I think that because yeah. it's again similar in US as well. Yeah. And I feel that this rising tide of right wing across the globe uh, mm. could be tied to the rising levels of inequality in our economy. Yeah. Um. Uh, so um. So do do as as someone who's I, I'd say is 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 constantly thinking and examining your situation. Have you ever um, thought about connecting the dots between? Rising hates for minority and the overall overarching system of capitalism. Uh,
2: yeah, obviously, I think I believe there is a a connection, even though it might not be as direct as I'd like. I'll, I won't. uh, I mean, I think it might be, but there is obviously a connection to it because one one major thing is like the wealth inequality, where like the rich keeps getting richer and the poor keeps getting poorer, and that is where you see the disappearance of. The middle class and like for any country to be a thriving country in any in any metric like you need to have a thriving middle class and when there is this disappearance of middle classes when people start getting more desperate and like you know where they feel the sense of hopelessness where like things just seem like you know no matter what i do no matter i do engineering or like uh medicine or whatever it is like you know I, there are no jobs and you know where where is my future going and stuff like that and like obviously the easiest scapegoat are immigrants or like you know othering of uh, a weaker section of society so it it just puts the like you know like shifting the blame from from like the bigger picture like the the larger economic problems where like you know people have to take responsibility the uh the financial minister or whoever it is. Who are supposed to take responsibility? They are just shifting the blame and they present a scapegoat in front of the people. Such good
1: halwa, man! What? She makes such good halwa. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. I know this. This is a very sexist thing to say, <laughs> but like, it's uh, anyway. That's that uh, another thing. I feel like there
2: is a lot of showboating in our in this new Modi government. It's like you know, like with. Uh, with a finance minister, like she presented the budget and in that day, yeah, in the Bahikhata, yeah, exactly. Like,
1: so, there's a lot of showboating, as opposed yes, to, yes, like I completely agree. Solving. So, and this will, so all the 10 listeners that I have, right? They, uh, if anyone else listens to this outside of that, they will give me a lot of galis. But I think this is uh, the very nature of. Um, a Hindu society I say this as someone who was born in this uh, in the what do you mean faith. what is the very name uh, uh, the showboating because um, I think look that at the, actually look at is, the,
2: go on, is more of a, like an Indian thing Like I, I don't think like it's just a Hindu thing I think like India in a, general, lot of, like, a lot of a lot
1: of I'm yeah. sorry go on no you yeah, go no, on saying that
2: uh, India in general like they welcome all this like you know over the top presentation of yes look, uh, I, know, I agree like, Yeah, I don't know whether, like, is it because of our like, how our entertainment system and everything is, like, it's so over-the-top that people are so used to seeing over-the-top stuff where, like, you know, just the general everyday subtleties are so lost on them that they don't feel like it makes an impact until, like, you know, something grand happens.
1: So um, I think a lot of practices... um, even minority practices in India are hugely, yeah. heavily influenced by Hinduism. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, over time, it, this has just happened, right? And yeah. uh, so a lot of the things, it's very difficult to like draw a line key where does Hinduism, uh, the system of this in Hinduism ends and yeah. the larger picture of India begins. Because one thing that I um, keep mentioning is that if you ever visit North India, you will see all these houses and outside these houses in Hindi, there's a swastika drawn. Yeah. And around the swastika, it, there's written Shubh Lab. I don't know if you've yeah. noticed that. No, I've noticed it. You've noticed it, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so Shubh Lab is basically um, Lakshmi's sons or daughters or something, uh, goddess yeah. Lakshmi's, right? Yeah. And, and the idea that <laughs> prophet, Lab is profit mm. and, 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 and the idea that profit is so important that Hmm. you have it as one of your most popular religious iconography tells you a lot about how the system functions. Um, It it is a lot about how it is seen and Hmm. perceived rather than reality. And that is basically how this government has functioned in the last six years, right? Like, Modi is a lot about how everyone, what everyone thinks of him. Yeah. Rather rather
2: than
1: who he is actually yeah exactly and 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 this is a little frightening because in the end he wants to come like a lot of this is happening because he wants to be seen as some someone right like for example uh the whole balakot thing yeah um and again, Abhito, after devendra Singh, I have a lot of questions about uh-huh. that too. But le- for a moment, let's just assume it happened <laughs> the way we saw it, right? The fact that now the stakes have, are so high that now if anything happens in the future, uh, any prime minister of India, even if it is a non-BJP prime minister, will have to react exactly. in in those measures because otherwise they will be um, lesser. Yeah. Uh, which brings me to the next point. How do you, th- we were just talking about the hate in general that yeah. there is, it seems. How do you think Pakistan fits into this narrative? Because a lot of the times when I talk to these people, um, people who are um, um, the the bhakts or or even like, right of center Hindu leaning yeah. folks. um they mentioned that there is Pakistan, which is a Muslim dominated country, and everything that India does yeah. um they reflected on Pakistan they and that's how they justify it. So in your political worldview, how does Pakistan fit in all this? I honestly feel like I know this is like I don't know, but like I
2: honestly feel like at this point, like India really shouldn't be like, Comparing itself to Pakistan, like economically and and whatever defense or anything, because yeah. uh, India we had at one point reached uh, a center stage in the world where like we were in the main discussions among like you know like when when there were discussions surrounding like the next superpower and all, India was mm-hmm. a serious contender over there. Yeah. And at this point, like I remember, I don't know which magazine it was. Was it Time magazine or like I don't think it was Time, but. There was. I remember seeing the cover where, like, they had all the major world leaders. It was like a drawing, and there was Trump, there was Putin, there was Angela Merkel, there were a bunch of them, and there was Imran Khan. But
1: there was no. Interesting. Leader. I'd love that. Agar if you find that link, just send to me. That will be something yeah. very interesting to share. Yeah. I, um, so things like that. Like, and I feel as if like we
2: have completely lost the plot at this point. Like. Uh, this government came into power like you know among other things they were also promising like economic development and everything and like people always use that as uh, as on the outside yeah exactly they obviously they always used it as a reason like you know why they support Modi and they're like oh you know even though he has done all these things but I do believe like you know he will bring India uh, forward economically and everything but but then like you see like India just not really able to keep up with the with the momentum that we had before 2014 and uh, everything is like falling right now and i lost my train of thought <laughs> sorry uh no. so yeah it's just, basically not that, to pakistan like, yeah exactly so like i just don't feel like like it, it 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 just doesn't make sense to me like personally like you know why like, why is there a reason that you compare everything to pakistan like uh, even outside economy like when you say like oh this thing has happened in india like like a, like a crime, like a crime happened in India and we say like, oh, this is so bad. And they're like, oh, go see what's happening across the border. And I'm like, why? Why is Pakistan like a role model for you? Like you feel as if like as long as we are like slightly better than Pakistan, like we are fine. Like that, that shouldn't
1: be our that's, goal. That's all that is care about right now.
2: Yeah. So like I feel as if like we shouldn't even have that in our equation. Like if you're, if, if you're trying to be like rational and everything, we shouldn't even have Pakistan as our inner our equation for
1: like any sort of metric that's the i think that's a fair point I, I i also like right before recording this episode i know that you uh, were busy um participating in an anti-ca protest so clearly yeah. really, clearly there is like the idea of india means something to you that oh, yeah, is why is. one, one mm-hmm. that is why one does these things right
0: that yeah. is why
1: one does uh, one goes out and participates in these exactly. these things um, so in 2020 uh, what does it mean for you to identify as an Indian when we know that a, a large section of in, India is basically rejecting you exactly so uh,
2: I don't know I like for me personally like you know a lot of people might assume that you know when when like when Muslims are getting demonized so horribly mm-hmm. at this point, like you know, it sort of pushes you away from loving the country and everything. But for me personally, like I feel as if like you know, like now is the time to like you know take back the country as we know it. And with this like uh, protest and everything happening around, I feel as if that is a possibility. But then I don't know. Maybe I'm being too optimistic because you know we can <laughs> get into like how the government like a hacks the evm or whatever like you know so but like in general i feel as if people have like you know come together for a for a singular cause and this nrcca and all that like has provided people an outlet to like you know come together for a single cause like as one that is just my first about like what is happening right now and like me obviously like i i've never had any hatred towards india as a country like, you know, I am not a, saying that. <laughs> you know, I'm not insinuating you yeah. I'm just saying, like, in general, like you know, like even though like I've discovered like over time that you know how how majority of the population view Muslims, I've honestly still felt as if like that that you know there's a light of hope. Like you know, things can change. Things will change. And so far, it's not been going in that direction. But you know, I still feel as if like you know, it can change eventually because a lot of things i also believe are like uh, cyclical in nature just like the economy where like we have recession and then we have like good time so <laughs> i feel as if this right wing surge around the world uh, will come to an end i don't know like whether it's going to be like a peaceful end because the last time there was this sort of a right wing surge obviously world war 2 happened and everything like that and i don't think something of that scale will happen but there there will be some something that has to like you know something strong enough, a force strong enough that will come and like you know eventually end this like this right wing surge that we see around the world.
1: I have to say though that the kind of um, protests that has that have happened in India and outside uh, at yeah. uh, these anti C A protests have given me a lot of positive um, yeah a lot of hope yeah uh, simply because f- before this I had thought that I had completely given up on the idea that. Um, Indians will ever come out on streets uh, mm. ever uh, do anything mm. of that sort and I yeah. o- honestly felt that there are too many against the kind of I- idea of India that you and I are talking about here yeah. and that is why it's and almost
2: to um, be completely honest like I'm, I was so surprised to see like the amount of people who actually come out in india to protest against this and exactly it just it just gave, like you know things like when i see that like it gives me hope like obviously like you know that it is it is not as bad as like you know because social media and everything kind of puts us in a bubble
1: where like oh my god you know, like, yeah I, I have a question for this as well but <laughs> yeah i like, like you know
2: you're constantly bombarded with like hate and everything and you kind of develop this perception like is this what the entire country is but then like you know when you step out and you see like the level of protest and everything happening, where like you know, like your your fellow Indian brothers and sisters are like standing shoulder with uh, shoulder shoulder with you and fighting for your right. Like the Hindu population who are protesting, obviously they are safe, but they have come out like you know, put themselves in danger to support your right to be a citizen in India. And that obviously makes me feel very good. Like it makes me feel
1: happy. It gives that me that is essentially yeah, and that is basic. I don't really personally I don't really care about any economic or anything. This is this is why yeah. I want India to sustain itself because of this idea that there are people who can have completely different faith-based ideas and still stand shoulder to shoulder. Exactly. Um, Which brings me to um, the question, one question that I had from you. So I have have for the longest time believed that Twitter will make extremists of all of us. Mm-hmm. I think because twi- because be just being on Twitter, uh, yeah. the idea of retwe- retweets and likes yeah. is fueled by this, uh, like you have to constantly take a more extreme position yeah. just to make sure that it's it's even seen. Exactly. Right? How has the social media correspondence so shaped I... you? Firstly that, and yeah. on a lighter note, if you have access to it right now some of your favorite hate messages that you've received can you like read one or two for me yeah yeah definitely
2: so obviously i completely agree with you and i've never thought about it that way but it makes complete sense where you said like you need to keep taking a, a more and more extreme position yeah and i see that like because like in in uh, with indian politics since i'm so involved with it mm-hmm. and through twitter or something it is more of an organic move to, uh, to a, towards a towards a more and more like what do you say like a confined position yeah. and everything but like with American politics like it always surprises me especially like because I'm, I'm a huge supporter of Bernie Sanders I really me like too. his politics and everything oh yeah I, I remember you and Amit were talking yeah. about Bernie I know Amit is also a supporter of Bernie. Yeah. so when I see Bernie and I'm like okay yeah his policies make sense and all and then see, like out of the blue like it'll be hit like I'll be hit with like a tweet where, like, it'll be so far to the left and they'll be like, oh, why isn't Bernie enacting this policy? And I'm like, the like, US is not ready for that sort of... Like,
3: <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like. You need
2: to take it one step at a time. But then, like, now since you said it, maybe since I'm so involved in uh, Indian politics that, that I don't notice this gradual shift of opinions where, like, you know, you confine yourself to a smaller and smaller hole, <laughs> like, you know, where where like it just becomes like impossible for
1: someone to relate
2: with your opinions because they are so far to a certain like to the right or to the left like so, so for, to,
1: yeah. just just for a moment bernie right so so a, yeah. uh, recently there was this whole thing about bernie being sexist yeah. and uh my biggest fear just for a moment on american politics my biggest fear is that what will happen is that uh democratic party will whoever is the nominee i Beat Bernie or anyone else. um They will elect a nominee, and then a large section of the Democratic voter base will sit sit at home because that specific nom- nominee does not pass all the purity tests yeah. that are out there. And
2: so I something similar happened in the previous election, yeah, where like Bernie was yeah. from the party, and the Bernie Bros, as they
1: called it, a lot of them moved to Jill Stein, and yeah, exactly. like. Had all the people who voted for Jilson, even 10% voted for her uh, to Hillary Hillary in Philly, it would have been completely different.
2: Yeah. But it um, it makes complete sense. And, And it is something, it's so sad to think about it, but like, you know, like I understand like it's easy for me to say like people need to think tactically when it comes to politics, where like you know, like you should have a bigger goal in mind and like work towards that. But like over time, especially with like American politics where like this entire process is so dragged. Like, I remember I started watching the debates when, mm-hmm. like, a few months ago, they started the debates, yeah. I've been watching them and, like, elections are not even until November. November. So, by then, like, people formed these strong opinions and, like, there's so much enmity within the Democratic Party. Like, and it just, like, I remember with a lot of Kamala Harris supporters, like, completely hated Tulsi Gabbard supporters, you yeah. And they hated Bernie supporters and everything. I mean, Tulsi like,
1: Gabbard deserves some hate.
2: By the oh, yeah. Of course, course I, 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 I don't support her <laughs> 0%. But, uh, but I'm just saying, like, uh, in, and, like, when uh, Kamala Harris didn't qualify for the debate, I remember, like, everyone else came and they were celebrating it and stuff. And, like, so that means you're just pus- pushing away the Kamala Harris supporters, like, you know. And there is a possibility, like, you know, like, they vote for the other party just to spite you. Like, I don't know whether that's a realistic possibility, but I'm just saying, like, you know, you keep pushing away people who are supposed to vote for the party, but, like, you keep pushing them away because of the candidates. And eventually, it just completely demolishes the overall larger objective, which is to beat Donald Trump.
1: I think uh, when it comes to American politics, the, the goal for both political parties at this point is not to get more voters it is to ensure that the voter of the opposite party sits at home that is what happened in 2016 and that is what is the plan going in 2020 Mm. like it's obvious that if all people who support the democratic party uh, I'll go out on a limb and say that if all people who support the democratic party go out and vote there's no way that the republican nominee will win but Mm. it's always the goal to make sure that mm, the other party sits at home yeah, so a lot of African Americans, I think, in the last elections, sat home because they did not completely like Hillary, and um, that did have an impact. Which brings me to India. So, so this is the the thing that we are just talking about is is kind is called in the internet lexicon, and I'm sure you've heard it, cancel culture, right? Oh yeah. Where where you basically cancel someone because yeah. they have said something which is. Which doesn't hundred percent align with your exactly, and and yeah. then what happens is that they, then there are people who associate with that person, not even yeah. like say like saying that that whatever that person has said is that right. they just associate with that person, and you yeah. are cancelled by association. Yeah. Um, so it kind of keeps creating these um, small subgroups, and yeah. um, he, and this is a special speciality of Twitter, right? Yeah. So uh, when it comes to the discourse in India, uh, I I I feel both of us will agree that now is the time to build coalitions, um, an anti anti Hindutva coalition, if you will, mm-hmm. which uh, stand which which should be, I think, led yeah. by the Dalit Muslim whoever the leaders are of india and and under their umbrella everyone should coalesce and this is how things should move however i i feel that within these groups also there are so many divisions and every day i see a new division coming up on how of course there is a point that it's it's always easier on twitter when um, it's always more Microscopically visible on Twitter, yeah. then on the ground. On ground, everyone is more or less still working together. But according to you, what is the way forward from here? So uh, I completely agree with you. Where like cancel
2: culture, obviously to a certain extent, it works against your bigger goal. So, but like, and I obviously knowingly and unknowingly have been part of this cancel culture. But I do uh, believe all of us have. Yeah. So like. Uh, I sometimes like you know I feel it's warranted where like especially with like uh, some liberals for the lack of a better term like mm-hmm. where they try to play the part of a centrist and uh, and like you know they try to do this balancing act of like you know if I if I criticize uh, the far right I have to criticize mm-hmm. the far left but like I understand the logic behind it but I feel as if when things are so volatile when you have such a powerful entity that is a government right now who is like extremely far right i feel as if like you know criticizing small small things that muslims do or like small small things that dalits do or like any minority group christians whoever mm-hmm. it is any minority group i feel as if that becomes counterproductive and it and it provides uh fuel to like the far right narrative so it it strengthens them a specific example but mm-hmm. <laughs> blanking out on a specific example but no, yeah, for I example, mean, like, uh, yeah, I remember, like, uh, so, you know, uh, Swati, Chaturvedi, and Yeah, Ronis, yeah, Beja. Uh, yeah, obviously, yeah. yeah. So, I remember, like, I had made a thread along with some other Twitter people, but, like, I'm the one who made the thread, where, and it was, like, a few, I guess it was, like, around six months ago, I had made a thread about, like, uh, about them both, and, like, they were using this term called... Uh, musangi which is like a yeah. enough of sanghi mm-hmm. so i understand like you know like they, they they have their reasoning for like you know coming up with a term like that and stuff like that and obviously like you know if someone holds a view such as like uh, like a sanghi uh, a typical sanghi would hold which is like you know muslims are not part of india they should be kicked out and like you know if mm-hmm. a, if another person holds that yeah, i can understand the parallel <clears throat> but like uh, they were like liberally using that term for anyone and right, everybody. Like, yeah, exactly. So like, if, if like, obviously uh, I'm open to like debates about religion and everything. I have no issue like, you know, having, and I'm not a super religious person. I mean, maybe over Twitter time. Twitter
1: will make you. Twitter yeah. Will
2: make I feel you. As of like, you know, like now since like things are so, uh, so crazy right now, like I feel as if I've grown a little more protective of my little faith that I have right now. But the thing is, like, I'm open to, like, debating stuff and having a, like, a regular discussion. Like, there is a very prominent Sanghi account called Agent Saffron. Yeah, Vanara, right? Yeah, exactly. So I've had, like, actually fairly, like, decent discussions about religion where, like, because I don't know, maybe that account, like, uh, that person, like, he doesn't, like, abuse you and stuff like that. So... I'm open to having like you know debates even if you're a sanghiya and stuff I'm still open to having debates and stuff like that but like a lot of these people like who tend to play this balancing act they don't want to have a discussion so for example like the topic of the hijab I personally believe that obviously it is up to the woman like you know she gets to choose whether she wants to wear it or she doesn't want to wear it that's entirely up to her and that is my position so when when someone says like like for instance I remember Roini Singh, I think. I don't know whether I should be dropping names like this, but I mean, it's fine. Yeah. Four looks, listen, So, uh, she, I remember her specifically saying, like, you know, uh, that uh, women who wear hijab by their own choice are not wearing it by their own choice. It is due to internal misogyny, uh, internal internalized misogyny. Mm-hmm. And I know that term. I know what internalized uh, misogyny is. And it is a very powerful psychological thing where like, you know, like, and usually it is used in situations where like, a woman stays in an abusive relationship because she believes yeah. that is the duty of the wife. Like, you know, it is a it is a very powerful term. Like, and I felt as if like she was trivializing it so much to a point where like, you know, like, you know, oh, you're wearing a piece of cloth on a head because of this. And like. You know, and I, I didn't contribute to that discussion, but I remember there were people who were saying that, you know, no, like, you know, why can't she make a choice by herself? by you saying that Muslim women are not able to make a choice uh, by themselves for like, you know, for, for keeping up their faith and uh, upholding their religion or whatever? Like, you know, if you're a practicing Muslim, like, you know, she, a woman is capable of making that choice. So if she's doing it by her own choice, like there is no question of like internalized misogyny and all. Maybe there is, but like I feel as if it's a very far-fetched argument. But uh, yeah, it's it's
1: yeah. so. First of so all, I uh, remember
2: like so when this person made this comment. That's the first time like I saw uh, her responding with like you know, oh you are a Musangi or something something along that line. So I I was very surprised. I was like you are equating him to a Sanghi because like he was and he was being pretty cordial. Like he wasn't abusing and all because I believe like a lot of Muslims mm-hmm. obviously like support a lot of the liberal journalists and because, yeah. you know, you view them as like, you know, these are people who are on our side. So he was being very courteous and everything but the fact that she just flipped so quick and like, she said this, uh, she used this term, Musangi, it kind of like, like made me feel like, why? Why, why do you feel the need to like just cast away this person for having an opinion or like, you know, having a debate with you? And uh, yeah, so I made this like, huge thread about like mm-hmm. you know how this term is actually like like why you shouldn't, shouldn't be using this term because you're equating like the oppressors with the oppressed mm-hmm. and and it's sort of like it gained a lot of traction and like they both blocked me on my old account now I think Swati blocked me but like Rohini didn't block me but you know and it was like a huge discussion and I felt as of like now thinking back on it I've, I don't know I personally like I feel as I sort of regret it because that thread created a huge division, and I under- still uh, see it today.
1: So yeah. um, I, I, I I agree and disagree on you certain things, and and yeah. let me. So first of all, the thing that I completely agree with you on is that in this point, in at this time in India, we should yeah. be very careful before um, uh, be very careful and try and avoid demonizing any minority e- yeah. even if tangentially yeah. so that that is something that has to be kept in mind yeah um and swati i I mean, she's okay. I don't really, but someone like Rohini, I do respect her because of the things that she has done, especially with the with the whole Amitsha and her. Oh yeah, I like,
2: respect their work. Like, I'm no issue with their work. I feel as if they are, they're they're good at what they do. Like, there
1: is no there is no doubt. Uh, about that. Having said that, I I so so and this is something that <clears throat> I want you to um like tell me. So. I, I know that this is not the right time. And I know that they, there is a far bigger fish to fry yeah. vis-a-vis Hindutva right now. But would you be comfortable? Like, so how should a good ally yeah. call out? Um, I, I, and I'm asking this question and I'm asking this question just because I think this is something that should be discussed. I don't know if yeah. how important it is, but like we cannot deny that there are definitely... Uh, in every faith yeah, more more conservative elements and then less moderately less conservative yeah. um, for example just to give you give an example Pakistan there is a clear division between how the Sunni power structures yeah. deal with Shias and others right so would you be comfortable in standing with people who if they had been given a choice if they were Um, a majority just like the BJP is right now would have treated um, the other group the exact exactly the same way like would you feel comfortable about it secondly Uh, and I think this is the more important question um, Bismarck famously has said something that I really really find very important it's he says that politics is the art of possible the attainable the art of the next best. Basically, mm-hmm. what he's trying to say is that ultimately, when it comes to the ground realities of politics, we will have to compromise Yeah. what I'm like. So like, you know, that you and I can think a lot of things. Frankly, I don't really care about the idea of nationhood also, mm-hmm. frankly. But I know that a general person living in a small town, India, feels very differently about things and if eventually we have to reach out to them for a vote we will have to mellow down a lot of the our positions exactly so how much are you willing how much of your current political identity are you willing to compromise slash negotiate vis-a-vis both sides hindu like far right hindu and far left or um what, what i will call very conservative muslims yeah um so just yeah let's just start like how much of it is uh, on table to be compromised so like you know like uh, the general position
2: among like minorities and like a lot of people even hindus and everyone is like congress is like a soft hindutva party right? like that's what they say yeah but mm-hmm. when the choice was between uh, rahul gandhi and narendra modi obviously i would support Uh, Rahul Gandhi I was speaking favorably for him because I knew like we need to think about like when it comes to politics you need to always be tactical like personal opinions and twitter debates and everything is very different but when it comes to larger ground politics yeah ground politics like it is very imperative that we are tactical because you know we form these like small bubbles in our minds like you know with our opinions and everything and like you can't obviously expect like a like a person who lives in rural india to like align with your politics so when it comes to the larger picture i feel it is very important that you need to compromise on certain things to for the larger for the larger goal so that is how i view politics, politics in general like th- there is always compromises like there is no politics without compromise because obviously you can never find a politician who is perfect right so everyone needs to make compromises and and it's not like I feel, like, uh, who, like, as it is should be the PM or anything like that.
1: I would love that, by the way, but, sorry, go on. <clears throat> like, you
2: know, I, I just feel
1: as if, like... Just, just a the day, just a second, the day someone like OAC or even someone like Mayawati yeah. becomes India's Prime Minister is the day that I will truly feel in love with this country. And this is just something that I feel. Yeah, I mean, I
2: agree with you on that. But I'm just saying, like, you know, like, from a political standpoint, I just feel as if it's a party as today, a party. not possible today, yes. Yeah, exactly. So, that is the thing. So, like, when there is a realistic chance of, like, Rahul Gandhi or, like, so whoever it is, from from uh, another national level party, which is Congress, uh, of becoming the PM of the country, obviously, I feel as if it is our duty to, like, move our support towards them. So that, you know, we can we can achieve a larger goal, which is to get rid of the Hindutva Party, which is the BJP so yeah to answer your question my my personal morals and everything i'm obviously always uh, willing to make like reasonable compromises to achieve the bigger goal that is just my view on like how politics should be done um
1: so uh, i uh, so let's just quickly talk about um, the way forward um, okay uh, here yeah, I, and i guess both of us agree that the the way forward will be, like, whatever is happening on Twitter, mm. leave it aside and um, work together. Yeah. I, I think w- what is, um, I I think what needs to be understood is even within the liberal circles is that what kind of divides us is far less important than what unites us. Mm. Even um, just quickly on the choice thing, hijab and choice. I, yeah. I find this <laughs> debate discussions a little um, pointless because a uh, philosophical but what exactly is choice like if you grew, grow up in in South India or if, if you grow up in India right yeah. if you grow up as a as as a Muslim in India for example mm-hmm. you will not suddenly um, start loving for chicken fajitas you'll always love biryani right yeah. why yeah. because that every step in your life there have been moments that have conditioned you to like yeah. a certain thing and you've never really like the experience of uh, where, whereas if you were born in mexico for example 99.9 yeah. percent time you love chicken fajitas yeah. and in biryani something more yeah. more spicy so when we the notion of choice is very um, continuous, right? Like, what is choice at the end of the day? If I see my mother doing something, if I see my sister doing something, if I see something that seems righteous, yeah, um, so good, I will do it. It's, and it's the same with hijab, right? Like, yeah. I can, as a woman, make a conscious choice to wear hijab yeah. and feel that it is my choice. And even then, it is not entirely my choice. And I can similarly, as a, as an Indian female, keep karwa chauth. a Hindu yeah. female, keep Female, Hindu female, <laughs> uh, keep and uh, I f- I feel that I am doing it out of th- uh, romantic feelings toward my husband when it is also something that has been fed to me um,
2: yeah I mean obviously that makes sense <laughs> like from a
1: philosophical <laughs> point of view because that you, like you know that just completely picks up out the entire argument of, like what is yeah but but it, Twitter doesn't allow for this right you cannot put yeah. this on Twitter because uh, Itna nuance to Twitter. Mein. No, it doesn't work on twitter
2: so one example is like for, for instance like my sister she used to not wear the hijab she got married and like you know my brother was like yeah whatever you want to wear it you don't want to wear it it's cool like, but then later on she started wearing it uh because you know i i never asked her the reason and all but like she just said like you know she she wanted to start wearing it, so she started wearing it so uh this is like my sister's example but i feel as if mm-hmm. like you know Even though, like, like growing up, like, you know, she was never forced to wear the hijab and stuff like that. But then she consciously made a decision at some point in her life. Like, you know, maybe she maybe she read stuff, maybe whatever it is, like, you know, she made a conscious decision. like Maybe uh, like, you know, something that got her closer to her, towards her faith. And she started wearing a hijab. So that is one reason, like, I mean, that is one thing that my mind always goes to when
1: people say, like, like you know. But don't you don't you also notice that a lot of Muslim men for young men have started like I think more Muslim young men keep Dadi than their fathers. And I think that one of the reasons is because the religion in general uh, has been demonized so much that you almost try and hold on to it more yeah. strongly than you would in a normal situation. Yeah. So Yeah. And, and that is that is un- that, true, like you know. Kind of, So, uh, so, uh, and and that kind of brings me to a more difficult question. Do you, hello, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, And that kind of brings me to a more difficult question. Um, Do you think uh, in way forward when dealing with um, people who are on the center or right of center even, do we need to soften the way we talk about, for example, Hinduism or certain practices within The religion to be more accessible to them and to to have them be more uh, approachable towards us. So
2: uh, it's kind of a difficult question because most of the times I feel as if yeah I know know, like people lash out on Hinduism out of nowhere. Especially like you know when like sometimes even I do that like you know where like it's usually like it just comes out of nowhere because like you know. It's sort of like, you know, when you bottle up you per- everything yeah. where you've been, like, completely deep yeah.
3: everything,
2: it just sort of comes out. So, uh, one reason I feel as if, like, you know, a lot of people, like, Hindus, I mean, uh, Muslims have been, like, at least on Twitter, like, have been, like, you know, bashing a bit of Hinduism here and there, like, talking about casteism or, like,
1: whatever it is. Mm-hmm. We were talking about the way forward. So, something that um, you were just alluding to and I have also noticed is which is almost a a nice thing, is that this newfound Muslim assertion, especially on Twitter, where there's a bunch of guys, you and some other folks who are very vocal about the Muslim, Indian Muslim identity on Twitter and and talk about how it is almost illogical to compare uh, the the Indian idea of secularism with anyone else, especially Pakistan. Yeah. Um, and i i i'm see also seeing that this new assertion sometimes gets into direct conflict with um, like we talked about someone like rohini and yeah. um, her idea yeah. which we kind of also need to um, get on board like get together at least so that yeah. we, can, we can look at the common enemy so what so and i know you were already talking about it but how do you feel about this new assertion and how how much do you feel is there room for um, compromise hmm. within this um, identity to e- enable because some so you recently must have read, i mean as as Karrome but you yeah. you would have read my piece on news laundry right and uh, 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 the hindutva yeah. male masculinity i don't know if mm. read it about yeah yeah it. So basically, I, I realized that the moment we start talking about uh, religion, there is mm-hmm. another religion in front and somehow the moment you talk about like a common larger identity, yeah. which uh, starts pointing out that Hindutva as the problem, a lot of people who, who follow the Hindu faith shut themselves off and, and, yeah. it, and eventually it becomes a problem in forging alliances. So... So let us focus on this, how you feel about the new Muslim assertion that is happening yeah. and also how much <coughs> will this assertion allow um, compromise, if it will at all. And if, it does, mm-hmm. if you think it should not, even fair, just elucidate on your point.
2: So uh, I obviously am very happy about this, like, you know, this assertion mm-hmm. where like the term for it, I remember it was unapologetically Muslim. I like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I feel as if it has given uh, a voice to Muslims, which, which I feel as if it has been lacking for a long time. So that is, that is obviously, I'm happy with that. And uh, like you said about forming alliances, and I remember, I don't know whether you follow this person, Rambi, on Twitter. He's, he's a pretty big... I uh, do.
3: Everyone um, does. What do you say, like a,
2: yeah, you obviously. Yeah, yeah. He has like 40,000 <laughs> followers. He's a huge account. So I remember he he had given a reason of like, you know, why like a like a general liberal Hindu person would like would tend to stray away from this sort of um, like a Muslim assertion is because like he was saying like uh, and it made a lot of sense to me when I read it. It was basically like how they had to like the like a liberal Hindu had to let go of a lot of their religious practices to become a liberal like a lot of you know things that they might have Mm -hmm. considered to be regressive they had to let go of that to be considered a liberal and to see like muslims asserting their faith instead of doing what they had done to become a liberal like muslims are asserting their faith even more they're saying that oh we are like unapologetically muslims they they feel like like you know like they had to make the sacrifice but then uh, the muslims didn't have to make that sacrifice to become a liberal like so and and uh, to draw parallels to it, like I feel as if like when Black Lives Movement in U.S. when that first began, yeah. there was this there was this uh, what do you say there was a counter movement All Lives Matter, yeah. right? So which was done by like a lot of people like obviously on the right right wing also, but there was a lot of like the general public who were sort of like yeah like you know you can't just say only Black Lives Matter obviously All Lives Matter like you know there were people who were saying that as well, so i feel as if that's a parallel towards like what is happening with like india in terms of like uh, how liberals tend to not completely accept this this uh, new group of people who are <laughs> rising at least online with their muslim assertion and i feel as if like like uh, how we mentioned earlier like you know when 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 you get pushed to a corner for so long you tend to hold your faith more dearly like when you're pushed to a corner for your faith for so long yeah. you tend to hold hold on to it more dearly so and and I feel as if that sentiment is not going to go away at least anytime soon like this Muslim assertion, I think it's only going to get stronger but obviously like I feel as if there is a responsibility among Muslims also to make sure that it doesn't like you know it stays as like you know this is my identity and I'm and I'm happy with it and uh, like you know I'm not going to let go of my identity it should stay within that sphere like it shouldn't it shouldn't surpass that and you know go into a more extremist or like you know not extremist more like more fundamentalist side that is what i feel for like the long term i feel it is actually good that muslims are voicing their identity and their opinions and everything from the standpoint of a muslim because i feel like it is important for muslim to speak muslims to speak about like what what is going on with them like you know particularly with them in the same Mm -hmm. way like how i feel like any other marginalized community needs to speak about
1: their problems
2: instead of like you know being like oh we are all Indians we should speak like you know like oh these are Indian
1: problems and we should speak like that like, which no, paper over a lot of a lot of uh, problematic things
2: yeah so I, I just feel like it is important like and I'm very happy with this and especially like on Twitter I it's, it is, it's a nice small community of like people like, yeah a lot of them are like funny and like we make jokes and everything
1: it's nice they, like, even within the the muslim community so there is someone like arfa Khanam sherwani right who is very active who is very respectable yeah, yeah. and yet she st- yeah. still holds on to a certain idea of ganga uh, you know whatever it means yeah, you know yeah.
3: uh,
1: and she even yeah. gave a speech in Shaheen Bagh recently where she said that yes it is important to say la but maybe we should yeah. n- not do it in in this platform what are your thoughts on this?
2: So, my mom, she, when I was speaking to her like a few days ago, mm-hmm. not few days ago, like a little longer than that, she told me the same thing. Mm-hmm. She was telling me like, see, like you know, all these protests and everything happening is very nice. Like I'm very happy with it, but she personally didn't like the fact that people were chanting la la uh while protesting. So I asked her like, why, why, why do you feel like you know that shouldn't be said? She said, and what she said is like. This would uh, like uh, like it would create a like an aura around the protest where it seems like you know oh this is a Muslims protest and this is only for Muslims you know and would keep away like moderate Hindus that's what she felt so and I I, I obviously I don't know like you know I can't disagree with that point because it makes sense to me as well but I feel as if like when 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 Muslims use like uh, a slogan like la, la 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 while while protesting, I feel as if like if something like that like you know just a just a slogan that is part of someone's identity like that to a marginalized community's identity like mm-hmm. if them using that slogan scares you away so fast like you know how strong were your values for for like you know for whatever you're protesting like you know how strong were your opinions and your values on that that you know like you know few people chanting this would would like you know scare you off from the protest and i remember shashita root also made a similar statement which is, uh,
1: and, and which is fair um, personally i think that um, ev- like the idea of indian secularism is this which is unlike something like a french idea of secularism in indian mm-hmm. secularism everyone is religious india is a deeply religious country mm-hmm. everyone is religious and um, uh, I would have loved, in fact, if there were in CAA protests, there was a group of people chanting Laya La, and then, then there were another group who was potentially ch- chanting something like Jai Shri Yeah. Sadly that part is missing and sadly I'd love for that to happen but hmm. maybe it's maybe someday in the future <laughs> But uh With that, uh, I think we've had a long and very interesting discussion. Yes. Fingers crossed. Yes. I hope all of the audio is saved. Hmm. Um, I and this has been a tradition in in every episode that I've done. Yeah. Anything that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Anything that you've recently read or yes. seen on Netflix, even anything? Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of Malcolm X.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I I started off when I first read his biography and everything long ago, and I remember there's there's an old movie about him. Yeah. It's called X. Uh, hmm. I think Denzel, right? Denzel Washington yeah. yeah so you know uh so uh I would encourage everyone to like read up about him like uh, his his uh, earlier part of his life is very questionable so you know after <laughs> uh, after I think in the beginning part of his life like you know he was part of Nation of Islam and everything like like you know ignore that part but like you know after he became like an actual revolutionary I feel as if it is it's very a lot of his speeches and everything are worth listening to or like reading and everything. So I would say like you know everyone go check him out, <laughs> read read his stuff. It's 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 uh it's it's prophetic in a way. I feel like a lot of things he says like you know about the media and about how the government oppresses people and everything. And obviously he was fighting for black people, uh, mm-hmm. African Americans at uh, that time. But I feel as if a lot of things. There are, are a lot of parallels, silly. yeah. There are a lot of parallels between his struggle, like you know, their struggle, and what is happening in India right now. And apart from that, uh,
1: <laughs> make sure you follow me. My old Twitter account got suspended. I am following you everywhere, today. man. I saw oh, your yeah. tweet and then I started following you. Again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because <laughs> my
2: old uh, Twitter account got suspended
1: forever. So, like, is it completely done? Like, you cannot ever recover it, yeah? No,
2: that I because like they give you one opportunity one chance to appeal for it. And you appeal it, like I you know, I wrote like a whole thing and like I gave proof and screenshots of what happened and everything, but like they just replied back saying that yeah, we're not gonna restore your account. So I had to make another one. I could have like read out some of the old uh messages that I received from like, you know, ultra right wing people. But like I lost them.
1: <laughs> there oh, were a lot of Do you do messages. do you not do you not remember some like at least one that you like really remember? I please. mean I have
2: one in my new account that I got just today at 10 30 in the achyam, <laughs> so he he starts the message with like relax jihadi jihadi like, all cap. <laughs> okay okay yeah. he's like don't get so hyper you are a converted muslim your parents got converted to islam by orange and now you're calling <laughs> him your father aha what and your muslim dad islam came to india and it's just a man-made religion I was like, bro, every religion is (laughs) man-made. Ha, ha, ha. And then, like, you know, there was a typo. Why did you respond?
1: Why would you respond? No, I didn't
2: respond. Like, it just came in my mind. And then, like, he made a typo. So, he corrected the typo in the next message. He puts the asterisk and it's like, and equals about. (laughs) And then it's like, your prophet said, God told him that Jews are cursed for their sins. Ha, ha, ha. What bullshit. Now, more than 90% of noble, noble he spelled wrong. Nobel Prize winners are Jews. So much Islam population, but less than 3% Nobel Prize for science winners. He clarified, like, science. Maybe he checked it and, like, he probably saw, like, only science were, like, okay, dominated by Jewish people. <laughs> ha ha ha. From childhood, you Muslims are taught only to be Allah ke bande. That's why you people are dumbos. <laughs> that actually made me laugh so, first a lot. Of all, like, you know, from childhood, you're taught.
1: Yeah. First of all you you have to respect one thing. He's not just an ordinary Nazi. He's a grammar Nazi also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: And then I don't know where like he took this tangent on like Jews and stuff. He's like, you hate Israel, but most of the Arab people use Israeli technology. I'm like, I've never like hated on Jewish people. Like I have no issue with Jewish people.
1: But like I don't no, know. No, no, but this is like a that. standard 101. You know, just, this is standard 101 Islamophobia, yeah. na I mean, the moment you start on this journey, right? The moment you yeah. start reading stuff, they will start showing like there are yeah. like there are crazy Molanas also, right? And they are on YouTube as well. And then Yeah, yeah. I but, mean, I yeah, I yeah. had a I had a I had a discussion discussion. I had a message from a random dude today who basically said that uh, hmm. Muslim women are subjugated and kept under parda. Therefore, Modi, like roundabout yeah. women therefore Modi ji hmm. bot CAA so that Muslim women could come out and protest. Hmm. See? See the logic? Do you see the logic?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: master stroke, master stroke.
2: Exactly. I love so, like you know, with these that, messages when I receive <laughs> them, like, it's so entertaining. Like I don't respond to them, but like you know, I find it very entertaining. It's it's hilarious to me and like sometimes i tweet like intentionally like you know like like you know controversial stuff sometimes like you know like you know where like i demonize like the rss or like you know i i make some like crazy hyperbole statement like you know which is like to a rational person reading it will be like obviously it's not true it's just like you know being stupid but like sometimes i do that just to like you know get some messages like this where like i can read them and like
3: just laugh
1: I will also recommend an article on News Laundry, which I wrote. It is called "How the Hindu Man's Crisis of Masculinity Fuels Hindutva," and I think it's a great piece. But um, I would, I would actually, however many times it takes, I would love for people to uh, read and um, give me their honest feedback. And with that, it's a wrap. Mm
0: पक्ष में ना कोई पार्टी बची